Okay, welcome to Enterprise Eyeballs. Today, our guest is Tracy Dizier. She is the president and CEO of TDZ Creative Partners, a creative partnering agency that serves B2B channel marketers in IT. She is a strategic marketing advisor, creative conduit, and my personal favorite from her LinkedIn profile, a happy person. Tracy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm excited to be here. You know, um, it's really important to me to say yes to these opportunities because the way we work uh, is we're pretty protective about our clients and we don't have a bunch of logos on our site, et cetera. So the only way for us to have visibility and get the word out uh, is to participate in things like this and help share a little bit of the insights that we're hearing from our clients and um Hopefully that helps other people. So um, also it's a great opportunity for me to help remember my own beliefs and like recenter or reground, right? When we're talking about topics, it's like, oh yes, I've dropped the ball on some of my practices and living my values and doing some of those things. So it's a great reorienting, so to speak. Um, so I really appreciate the uh, ability and invitation to practice with you. So thanks. Of course, happy to have you. I know you have a lot to share with uh, our listeners and the growing community around Incentive Pilot and uh, B2B in big IT. Um, you know, the thing I wanted to jump into today is something that was a perspective I got only from you. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about channel burnout. Yeah, yeah. So um, I coined the term end channel burnout. In fact, I, I have these little stickers. But, um, which came up on another one of your podcasts, right? Yeah. The importance of stickers. Um, ending channel burnout. And while channel burnout can mean a lot of different things and sound like a lot of different things to me, uh, it really is about the individuals in this business, the channel marketers, the program folks, the channel salespeople, especially in vendor companies who themselves are perhaps burnt out or burning out or on the road to burnout without even realizing it. So when we say channel burnout, that could indicate maybe like burning out your, your, uh, channel partners, but we're not talking about that in this instance, although it would be interesting to explore as another facet. And it all comes down to the people, right? That's the reason we started this podcast is in the enterprise world, big IT, it's all about the products. It's all about the technology and uh, it does amazing things. But at the end of the day, the technology is built to to serve us and serve our ends. And we're the ones out there um, marketing and selling this stuff. And so it has to start with the people. So uh, I would say Absolutely. that people are foundational to the entire thing. So when you say, you know, an individual, a human being uh, is getting burnt out working in the channel, what are the common things you see? Where, uh, what do you see over and over again, I guess, is the most common. What are the symptoms of channel burnout? I got to call my doctor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot I could say on this subject and we could go on and on. So for the purposes of our conversation, we'll try to keep it pretty simple and talk or narrow our conversation rather to like the warning signs. So, um, I think most people when they're in burnout, like it's too late. They've already, they, they know they're in it. It's not like, Oh, am I burnt out? No, they are feeling it and pretty intensely. So I think looking at warning signs is probably a more 
productive conversation to have and more impactful, hopefully, if we can just shed a little bit of light for some folks who are maybe doing some of these things that are leading to burnout or can lead to burnout without even realizing. And to your point about the whole why behind it, why it's important is it is the people. Like we need to be at our best mentally and physically to support our communities, our families, um, to, to, uh, reach the level of productivity that, that serves us, that makes us happy, right? Going back to my whole reason d'etre is, uh, you know, being a happy person. And that was a hard learned lesson, so to speak. And I got there by burning out. So I was hoping at least to just share some of that, especially because I think that stress, which causes burnout, also causes disease, disease in the body. So with that belief, I think it's of the utmost importance that we take care of ourselves um, by reframing some of our practices. So that's what I was alluding to earlier, which we'll, we'll touch on. So that's a little bit of the setup of the why to answer your real question of the warning signs. Unpacking this could be huge, right? It's like multiple sets of nesting dolls. <laughs> and one of those nesting dolls is perfectionism. Okay. So perfectionism is like the Mac daddy nesting doll. And, and that's, you know, a technical official term. And perfectionism, the reason I say it's the Mac Daddy and it's, it's, it's quite troublesome is because not everyone recognizes that they are perfectionist or have perfectionist tendencies. Some people full on own it. I'm a recovering perfectionist myself. <laughs> Me too. Other folks, you are. <laughs> I could see that a serial entrepreneur, this kind of thing. So you're looking for always continuous improvement, um, which is a good thing, right? It just, it gets to a slippery slope sometimes and that can take us down the wrong path. So it's finding that, that balance of using that energy for good and not for evil, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, because perfectionism can be something that people resist, uh, to unpack that a little bit, what does it look like? Well, it might look a little bit like, like holding back, like on ideas, like what I call idea stuffing, which is like not being vocal or not being willing to share because it's just not right yet. Um, editing, like editing yourself, a lot of editing your speech, not, not owning up to your ideas and your thoughts, doing the easy path or what's comfortable versus like pushing the envelope, being innovative, um, just waiting to have it all figured out right? Just like, okay, well, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'll just wait. Um, and then playing small, as soon as we step, like playing small with content, sometimes with our channel marketers and channel sales clients, it's like, oh, we'll just do this little piece over here versus look strategically and holistically about our goals and what we're trying to achieve and develop the right suite of content, for instance. So that's at the very like practical level for channel sales and marketing. But that's that's one of the major warning signs, but I'd love to hear like your reaction to that. And if you're seeing some of that or experiencing some of that as well, I mean, it's a conversation. Absolutely. I think uh, perfectionism falls right into the bucket of everything else where people think about it as black and white. I'm either a perfectionist or I'm not. In reality, it's a spectrum of quality, right? And some things deserve to be very perfected before, uh, you know, they're shipped. 
like, I don't know, airplane uh, seatbelts or something like that. Other things <laughs> like experimental yes. content to get more eyeballs on the latest uh, tech you're pushing, completely different story. And so understanding the context of what you're building will, should help guide some of your perfectionism. You know, if people's uh, physical safety, uh, financial safety, any of that is at risk, then obviously uh, more care should be taken and things should be de-risked more carefully. Um, but if you're just trying to get a new message out or think about solving a problem a different way, then perfectionism is almost always the biggest blocker uh, you know, in, in our experience and I can 100% relate. And I think the biggest lesson I learned on the, the perfectionism journey is that, uh, you know, I, I can be a very uh, judgmental person. And it's one of my, one of the attributes that is a double-edged sword because it makes me uh, a good designer um, and can serve me in the way of, uh, you know, providing my taste in the service of others. The ugly side of it is exactly what you think. I can be too hard on others. I can be too hard on myself. I can be too hard on uh, really good work. Uh, and you know, one of the big light bulb moments I had was just because it's not up to my standard or I'm judging it as not good enough doesn't mean it's not good enough for someone else. And we see this all the time. Uh, in our everyday lives, if you, uh, you know, maybe you're not a fan of macaroni and cheese, right? But there's a lot of people who love it. And I have, uh, you know, I have a, a sweet tooth for really crappy junk food. And so maybe, uh, you know, maybe someone who eats healthier, like, like my wife, uh, you know, can't really understand why I want that Taco Bell. But that's the perspective that I need to bring uh, with our products to our customers is that just because one little interaction isn't quite right yet doesn't mean it doesn't work great and provide a ton of value for customers. And I think it goes the same on the marketing side. Um, you know, if I was waiting for my podcast uh, episodes and my hosting abilities to be perfect, we never would have started this because I think we can all agree I'm miles away from perfect. And when I watch these episodes back, I think I could improve here. I tend to ramble there. And right now I'm catching myself, man, maybe I'm talking a little bit too much right now. But uh, I think it's understanding how all those things intersect and understanding that things that we don't think are perfect actually are perfect for other people. And you can provide a lot of value even if something isn't up to, quote, your standard or isn't perfect yet. What great insight. I love it. Uh, can we just like <laughs> digest that for a minute? That was really <laughs> profound. I'm loving that. I'll give you one yeah, more example. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. As I say, one more example that I used with um, some designers early in their careers is that if you are putting together a room in your house, let's say you bought a new place, you want to get the, the living room put together or maybe the guest room, something that you're going to share with, with the people coming over. You might want one or two more throw pillows for the couch or you might want a different <laughs> rug and you're like, it's not quite there yet. I'm not throwing that uh, you know, housewarming party quite yet. 
Other people come into your home. They say, what a beautiful space. We're so happy for you. They have no idea that it's missing a pillow, missing a rug. And when you're designing products, marketing, um, I think any content that's that's being taken in is you have to take a step back and say, you know, am I ready for the housewarming party? Are people going to come enjoy it and, uh, you know, eat, the, eat those mac and cheese balls? Or does it really need, you know, do we need something? If you have a place for people to sit, it's probably done. They're probably going to have a good time, even if that's throw pillows missing or you wanted a different piece of artwork. Back to your point, right? It's not a life-threatening uh, situation <laughs> or it's not like a life-saving, right? It's not designing seatbelts. I think that's great. That's great. And the better we get at developing those like litmus tests uh, and playing devil at devil's advocate with ourselves uh, about those decisions, the better off we'll, we'll be. So yeah, for sure. So Perfectionism, again, that we just scratched the surface barely on that Russian doll. Um, the other, I didn't want to keep it too complicated. So just the other one thing of the many that comes to mind is this idea of what I call, I have to, I can't, I don't know. I have to, I can't, I don't know. This is like, if this is part of your self-talk. Like just pay attention because if this is part of your self-talk, this is one of the warning signs, slippery slopes that you might be, especially if it's like incessant, uh, that you might be headed towards burnout and that's going to create more, more, more pressure, more stress, this kind of languaging. Um, it's languaging that, um, is preventative, like preventing you from embracing your potential and, um, doing things bigger. It's, um, it's, it creates stuckness. So, you know, lack of, creativity, lack of productivity, and some examples of the, of the, I, I have to, I can't, I don't know. And feel free to jump in with your own is, um, you know, oh, I can't have, I can't ask for help or I have to do it all myself or, um, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what the best suite of content will be to achieve my objective. So if you're spinning out me, I don't know, things don't get done and you don't really do anything because you're just, you're just with yourself in your own head with these negative messages. It just doesn't work. So, you know, or the, I have to, like, I have to play the game, I, uh, you know, politically, or I have to be something I'm not. It doesn't always sound like that. Mm, what's the word obvious. Sometimes it's just little and seemingly innocuous things, but that's why, um, you know, paying attention to some of that language is important. So, um, I remember I had a job, uh, my last sort of job before I was fully, fully on my own. Uh, and I remember uh, a coworker saying to me, do you realize you say I can't a lot? And I'm like, no, didn't realize that. Uh, and then later that year I had a cancer diagnosis. Now I'm not saying... <laughs> warning signs, warning signs, like it's going to happen to everyone. I'm just saying, I think, I believe stress creates, again, disease in the body. And that maybe part of this negative thinking had something to do with it. And so I needed to, uh, first of all, remove myself from that situation because that was just not the situation for me to be in. And we just have to notice those things sometimes. Uh, secondly, if it's just, if it's not environmental, I should say, um, cause there's lots of environmental causes, I guess, for burnout, like things that are maybe beyond your control. Like I see our clients, for example, doing the jobs of two and three people sometimes because they're waiting for backfills, right? 
um, or they're just wearing multiple hats um, just because of the nature of their business. Um, so there's lots of those kinds of things that are maybe beyond control. But when we talk about preventing burnout, I'm thinking, all right, what are the internal things? And this internal dialogue piece, I think, is huge. So that's one of the little little things that can get you and that kind of compound and pile up and create some pressure. So it's one little piece of the puzzle, but it's a giant thing. And the best uh, advice I ever got in terms of self-talk, you know, I was seeing a, a, a counselor at the time a mentor of mine, and he asked me, well, tell me about your self-talk. Do you have any negative self-talk? And I said, no. And then he did the same thing. He caught everything I was saying that was really negative and limiting. And what happened for me is I realized that my mind moves very quickly. And the reality is it moves too quickly most of the time. And so for folks out there who maybe feel like, you know, I'm kind of negative, but I don't really beat myself up. I don't have negative self-talk. I almost guarantee (laughs) if you're anything like me, it's because you're thinking so fast, you don't even hear the individual words and phrases that you're telling yourself. You're, you get a sense, oh, that's too hard, whatever. You move on to the next thought. You're not sitting there having a conversation with yourself. If you can actually slow down and hear the thoughts that are going through your head, you're going to be blown away how many things are working against you. And uh, I think it's really important to note because it's on the personal side and then bringing it to the professional side. We all fall victim to that. I think to your point about folks uh, doing two or three jobs, it's so common. And it's so common, the bigger the company gets. Somehow, the more people that work there, the more jobs everyone does. And I don't really understand the phenomenon myself. But one thing we have noticed over and over again is that the bigger the company, the less the people inside look outside for help. The less they look for tools that can help them get the job done, the less they look for teams that can actually support them with what they're doing. And the reality is you start working with these people, solving their problems and, uh, you know, amazing things happen because if you're doing three jobs, I don't care who you are, you can't do them well. And so let's get you back to working one job and then maybe you can do that one really well. Um, and the, even one job, (laughs) one job like the way they stuff job responsibilities like i learned a long time ago there is no way that i'm strong in all of these areas like that's the company wish list right (laughs) right uh and that's fine and good but my performance is gonna suck on some of these (laughs) like no lie there is just there's no way so you know, for me, part of that is the, 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 the talk about negative self-talk, but it's just being honest, like knowing your strengths and knowing where, you know, you need to rely on other people. Like our part of my core value is nothing is created alone. And it's about that. It's that, look, we need each other and we need to complement each other. And that's why there are teams. And that's why, you know, whether that team is an internal team or an you know, internal plus external and agency like us. I mean, we, we need each other and we need to give ourselves permission to, you know, not back to the perfectionist thing, not have to feel like we do it all. And again, sometimes people don't even realize that that's part of it, but that's why this talk and paying to your point, paying attention, uh, is important. 
And I think the, you know, the effects really ripple out to everything because if everybody has a manageable amount of work, they can execute that work well, they can bring the right attitude and energy to the table. That's going to start affecting other people to do the same thing. And then instead of a group of, you know, sometimes it's just five people doing 15 jobs, right? But if all those people are overworked and a new creative potentially highly effective ideas brought to the table. It's like, no, we don't have time for that, whatever, you know, and you're missing all this opportunity. But if you have five people doing five jobs with uh, a great collaboration, then when good ideas come, you have the ability to identify them and decide whether they're worth uh, taking a shot at or not. Yeah. And sometimes when you're so busy, just Um, talk about, like I said, like playing small with content or just doing the tactical thing when you don't have the bandwidth because you are so, so, so busy. And that's again, external versus internal. So we're kind of covering a little of both. Uh, when you're so busy, you don't have that spaciousness, that time to think creatively and strategically. So you either need someone to help you do that, or you need to be really committed to creating the space to doing it for yourself. And I know for me, like my best ideas do not happen in a vacuum. They happen when I'm in conversation and when I'm collaborating. And so, and that's how I'm wired. And that's also, I mean, that's, that's what I do. That's kind of my work in the world. And that's what I also advocate for others to do. So. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So again, burnout, we could, we could, there's so much to unpack, whether it's, you know, pride in your work, perfectionism, all the external factors we talked about, like the hiring cycles, not matching up. And, um, yeah, we're seeing a lot of that for sure. So, <laughs> so let's talk about it. Let's say, Hey, I'm feeling a little burnout. My stress level is a little higher than it should, it should be. Maybe I'm hitting that Taco Bell a little bit more than I should for, for a little bit of that, uh, that sweet, sweet fast food pleasure. But my stress level is a little high. I'm a little bit overworked. And you know, this project, it was supposed to go out at the beginning of March. Here we are beginning of April. How do I just get this thing shipped? What are, what would be your advice be to me? You know, I'm seeing the warning signs and I'm not uh, at the doctor yet, but uh, what do I do to course correct? What's step one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, that you're starting with assuming that the warning signs are seen. Cause I think that that's the biggest part. I mean, going back to your, um, point about listening to yourself talk, I think awareness is the thing. Like this is kind of like pre burnout practices, I would say. Like, so the idea is prevention. Like here's what you got to do before you even get to any point of feeling stressed, because that's, that's what I'm, I'd love for people to be able to access is before they even get to the stress that leads to the burnout, they're picking up on some of these things. So I would frame it up a little bit differently. That's a great conversation too. But like I said, we don't have all day. (laughs) So in terms of like pre pre burnout practices, you know, and these are going to sound like stupid simple too. So, which I love, I mean, that's part of what makes it like attainable, achievable, And, um, it's like the hardest, easiest thing you'll ever do. Um, (laughs) the first thing, so basic, right? So, so basic is just to breathe. Everybody breathes. I mean, we do it, we do it autonomically and breathing helps with everything, especially conscious breathing. Uh, 
I will admit I am a grasshopper when it comes to this. I, there's so much <laughs> to learn. I am still like learning. Uh, and I'm, I know there's a lot of, you know, biological, anatomical research, et cetera, which I did not go down that rabbit hole. Um, I just know for me that, uh, sometimes I'm holding my breath and, and I'll, and I'll catch myself holding my breath. So just paying attention to that and allowing yourself to breathe, just creating some space to breathe, just having that increase of awareness about your breath every day, whether it's, you know, the ping on your watch or device, whether you actively seek out some sort of app to help you, um, or just, you know, paying attention to like, if you're doing something like say, getting ready to do a podcast, (laughs) what's happening with your breath. So yeah, just, uh, that's part of it. It's just breathing, breathing through it. Yeah, I like. So again, that's the super basic, like everyday simple thing, but hard, right? Because do we make the space? Well, well, we might be having some of those messages that you know, I can't take a break, right? <laughs> that's um, I have to, I can't, I don't know, thinking, right? Which leads me to the the next thing, which is, um, you know, if you're in that space of I, 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 I have to do it all myself. I can't ask for help. You know, I don't know what all the answers are, you know, build courage by asking for what you need. It's just a practice. It's just a muscle like anything else. Just start building the courage by asking for help instead of staying in some of those loops of, I can't, I don't know. I have to right? It's And, and at the root of some of those things, by the way, Andrew is bringing up your big point, which is another Russian nesting doll of judgment. Judgment's huge. So there's like that judgment turn Edward, judgment external. This is the judgment of yourself. And that leads to, you know, that sort of spinning out. So especially building courage by asking for help. And I mean, of course, from my perspective, my life and my work is, you know, the remedy is find a creative partner, right? I mean, I help clients with big ideas all the time and I help them to be innovative and to find that, that spaciousness, that time, the new ideas to help them work through, um, vet, right? Um, so, you know, it's about having that trusted person that can really dig in with you, roll up their sleeves and help you do your job and be more productive and feel accomplished and remove some of that stress and get you unstuck from the, I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do anything or mm, any of the negative self-talk. So just, you know, ultimately find yours, like find the person who does that for you. I mean, I, I do, I, I don't do it all myself. So I am a creative partner and I have creative partners. It, it's just, it's just how I operate. I'm just highly collaborative. And I think ultimately I get better results and I feel a lot better. So that's, that's my second little I guess what I would say pre burnout practice. <laughs> um, I have one more to share, but I think that you have something to add to this. Oh, uh, I mean, I, this stuff just excites me. So there's probably always something for me to add. I, w- I would love to uh, hear your third tip. All I can say is thumbs up. You're right. The more, the more I am conscious of my breathing and the more I collaborate um, and let other people take the reins, the better things get around here. So I can just say that uh, I a hundred percent agree. What's tip number three. 
Yeah. So the best way to share this is kind of through a little story first before I unpack it. So the story is this, I needed to call a client. <clears throat> I, I had a, a, a situation and it's like, okay, I know that they think that they need X and I'm having some consternation around X. And so I kind of stewed for about two days, <laughs> journaled, like trying to work through my, my feelings about it and what I was going to say. And I, I couldn't go back to that perfectionist thing. I couldn't come up with a polished way to say it. So I just called up my client and I said, Hey, um, you know, I have some questions. I have some concerns about X and I have to admit, I don't have it all figured out. Um, I may not, uh, you know, have this perfectly or be able to articulate it very well. And I just needed to share with you, um, what I'm thinking so that we can work through it and come to, um, a, a better solution. And so I, you know, by starting the conversation that way, I managed her expectations and I gave myself permission and spaciousness pretty much to like bumble, bungle, bumble, bungle, bungle through it, right? <laughs> stumble through it. That's what I was doing, combining those two. Yeah. Um, stumble through it, right? Uh, but I, we have that relationship and I always have that relationship with my clients where it's like, yeah, let's just take a time out. And, um, ultimately I was able to deliver a better idea that was more strategic, that had more of a strategic impact. And, and she acknowledged it. She was like, um, I appreciate how candid you were. And I think that this is going to take, um, what we're doing to the next level. And that is what creative partners do. Like if I did not do that, no matter what kind of anxiety I would might've had about being able to deliver the perfect message in a way that she might hear it. Um, I would be doing her a disservice if I just either did X or didn't have that conversation. Um, so the, the tip, the, the, the transfer is to speak while you're figuring it out. Like don't wait. And again, that's like another way that perfectionism sort of rears its ugly head is when we are, um, overthinking the message or overanalyzing how it will be received. So, um, that, that's it. Like, just don't try to be the expert first or try to have it all figured out and sort of release a little bit of that, uh, holding on to some idea of, of how things need to be in terms of editing yourself. And, um, and, you know, even at the risk of appearances or whatever. And I think that that's, by the way, where a lot of this gets, gets, um, gets ratcheted up our stress is we feel like we have to show up a certain way or be a certain way. And then we're not to your point about high standards or whatnot. We're not reaching that or we're not living up to that. And it may be standards that we set. It may be standards that somebody else set. any, either way, it's not, it's not productive. And it's much more difficult to work in that zone, trying to be something you're not, or trying to get to the right presentation of yourself versus just surround yourself with people that you know, like trust, have great relationships with and can just show up and have those honest discussions and, and, or you just allow yourself, you just, you give yourself permission. It's like, you know what? I just, I give myself permission to show up as I am, to share what I am thinking and feeling. 
and, um, and trust that we'll be able to work through it together. So, and that's a practice. And that's why I go back to the thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity, because that reminds me like every time I have, you know, something like that happen, I'm like, oh, that was hard. Oh yeah, I did it. Oh yeah. I need to remind other people that they can do it too. <laughs> Just to shed a little awareness, right? Just a little awareness as I learn and then repeat what I've learned. And then I forget and fall down because I'm not a poster child for these things. So then I stub my toe and I'm like, oh yes, don't be perfect. Don't wait for the perfect. Don't wait to be an expert before you open your mouth. So that's it. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I mean, I think we've, especially coming from the, you know, working at the UX studio for 10 years, we've all had those meetings where uh, a customer prospect says, well, here's the problem. And then they list 25 problems. And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, bring us a solution. And step one was always saying, look, uh, you know, we are not here to find the answers. We're here to lead the process that finds the answers. And I think uh, for any good strategist, that is, that's the whole idea. Let's go through these problems. Let's list out the 25 different problems that you think is one problem. Let's see how they actually intersect. Let's see how we can actually prioritize solutions. Because if we just talk through it, we're probably going to eliminate 12 and a half of them in the first conversation. And then we can, you know, start digging into the rest, but it's almost never one problem, even if people are thinking about it that way. So mapping it out and getting started with bite-sized pieces. I love that. And it's funny. I don't know where asking questions, uh, became like something that showed weakness or insecurity or, uh, or lack of confidence. But if you can confidently ask a question, you can solve any problem. And, uh, that's, that's something I, I believe deeply. And, and, uh, I think I would attribute to, um, you know, any level of success I've achieved has come from my willingness to, uh, to ask questions about things I don't know. And it's something that, I think is core to what we all do, um, collaborating with, with others. I love that. I love that. That came up on our team call today. Um, I was like, sometimes I'm in a hurry back to your point, right? We're all busy, busy entrepreneurial leaders. And, I sometimes I just, I know I'm not being specific enough and I'm just throwing things out. Or, and I'm ideating. I definitely have ideation. So sometimes that's not very clear. So I say, I don't know what you don't know. So please, <laughs> if I'm not being clear, ask questions. Don't feel like you're the, you're, you're the dumb one or I, cause that's more in the, in the self-talk of, um, I have to understand what she says. I can't ask for help or clarification. And I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here. Like that's the, you know, I have to, I can't, I don't know. Like it could sound like any number of those things. I'm like, don't stay in that loop. If, if I'm, you know, regardless of whether you think it's you or you think it's me, the, the fact remains, something's not clear. So always okay to ask questions and back to your judgment piece. Don't have to worry about whose fault is whose and what it's just, Hey, this just isn't clear. Absolutely. Communication's a two-way street and it's very challenging. It's amazing we can do it at all sometimes. 
<laughs> it really is. And uh, it's also a miracle. I bet you've had an experience like this where you're on a call with a lot of people at a big company and there's tension on the line and you can feel something's wrong and you think, you know, I don't really get it. I'm going to ask this question. And when you ask it, there's like a collective sigh of relief because the 20 people on the call didn't know what the heck was going on. And they're so relieved someone asked so they could get some clarity. It's It cracks me up every single time. It was, it was the elephant. I mean, um, something happened on a, on a call recently. It wasn't, it wasn't with 20 people. And it was again, it was another case of this client asked for X, except this was a different situation. So call it Y client asked for Y and I'm trying to implement Y and I'm like, Hmm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but they appreciate it. So if I hold back. I'm not getting to the better solution because by, by, calling that out and bringing awareness to the fact that it's like just playing the devil's advocate and poking holes and, and, you know, and you're not doing it from a mean place. You're doing it from, I'm trying to get you the best result possible and to help you shine and be a rock star. Like that is what me and the agency exists to do for our clients. Like that is our reason for being. So I don't want to let you do something that I might have a misgiving about. Now you might decide that it's not important enough, or you may, and this happens more often than not, decide to shift because then we're like ideating on top of ideating. It's like, and then we get to a better solution. So anyway, I know we've said a lot and we've gone a little bit off perhaps of burnout, but these are the things, right? These are the warning signs. And so I guess just, you know, as I think about, um, for myself and for others, what I would wish is that you would just try one and that I'm going to continue trying and doing it. And to your point about that call with 20 people, when that happens, if you just do the breath first, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes that helps. So, you know, I guess that would be my invitation is, you know, pick one. And then also remember you're not alone in this, even though I'm talking about it, I'm still like, Oh, I could have had a V8, right. I'm dating myself there. Pat, proud Gen Xer. It's not on a LinkedIn profile, but you know. <laughs> no, I think these are these are some awesome tips. I really appreciate it. You know, I think taking a step back, it fits so perfectly because if we're going to humanize B2B marketing, B2B sales, B2B operations, we have to start with the humans and we have to start with ourselves. So Tracy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that stuff with us. Are you ready to play a game for one minute and see how you stack up against the other Enterprise Eyeballs guests? Hmm. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll come back next week and try it out then. <laughs> well, are you ever really ready? I mean, what did I say? I said build courage by asking for help, but really you have to build courage by trying things that make you uncomfortable. And you have to work on the, I can't. So, you know, oh, I can't, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I have to excel at this game or I can't play it. So yeah, I mean, I obviously have to play it. All right. Well, if you click that. (laughs) And accept what is. Yeah, accept what is. I like it. Got. uh, (laughs) If you could click that link in the side chat bar and then share your screen so we can see it. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock for you. And uh, Tracy got just a little bit of practice time with this, but she also has um, a slight disadvantage using a trackpad. 
Okay, Tracy. So, all right. Should we put a cap on how many times? <laughs> we have one minute. So, oh, if you okay. get a game as over, as many games it, as I can play. Exactly, as many games as you can play. And if you happen to happen to be flapping at the end of the minute, I'm just going to let you go and see if we can get you to that high score. But yes. as soon as you're ready, just click, and I will start the clock. Okay. Before I start, I'm going to say one thing. In the interest of being a recovering perfectionism, I'm going to change the metric. <laughs> <laughs> the metric is usually how far you get. I'm going to see how many games I can play Ooh, in a minute. I like it. Reframing. <laughs> shifting it. Yeah. I'm just going to shift it. You know, just shift your thinking. Whoops. I see? Love it. Okay, there's okay, one. We are going. Sorry. Oh, all the way to the top. All right. Yep. I remember the tip. Hang on. Here we go. Oh, how am I at three? Three games. Three games. <laughs> All right. I'll count them on my fingers. There you go. All right. You Four got games. one. Your high score of one. You got about 35 seconds left. That's okay. I want to get the high score of how many games I'm playing. You're at six games now. Six? Success is going to be different for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm defining success for myself. Ooh, nice. Maybe a couple fewer clicks right at the beginning, and I'll help you out. Oh, oh <laughs> maybe a little bit more. It got lower. All right, five seconds left. All right, one I'm more. Go it. for it. Okay. Oh, see, I start off slow. All right, how many games did I play? I think ten. We'll get it. We'll get the full count uh, when we edit the uh, end the episode. But thank you for your attempts and one. <laughs> is uh is nothing to sneeze at that is you know putting you on the board so thanks for being a good sport but it's addicting like i still want to do it well you can play I after this episode we'll come back another time <laughs> see if you can top it i think i would do it a lot <laughs> so tracy if anyone wants to get in touch with you if they need some help uh in their their b2b channel marketing activities or if they just want you know really resonate what you said and want to connect where's the best place to find you i'd say linkedin and i would just say the caveat of um you know do send a note like not just the generic invite but just say hey saw you on andrew's podcast the you know enterprise eyeballs or reference and, you know, uh, incentive pilot or something. So I know where you came from and, and, uh, yeah, we'll start the conversation there. I think that's, um, a good way for me to also see who you are and who you're about. I mean, to your point about people, like it's about these relationships and, um, yeah, I think that's the best way to start a conversation. And I'm happy to talk about any of these topics or any of the things that I am passionate about, um, which I'm pretty transparent about, I think. So Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Andrew. See you soon. Bye-bye.